Hello everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the series we are doing with Tarun Pibil as co-host on output-based contracts and specialization, particularly looking at what's going to drive the next wave of growth in Indian FM markets. I'm really excited to be with Tarun. Tarun, would you like to say hello to everyone? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Umesh and hi, listeners. You know, really pleased to be back. And I hope you found our first episode sort of rewarding and encouraging. I've got some comments from some of you. So thank you so much uh, for your feedback and really look forward to driving discussion forward. Oh, absolutely, Tarun. I think your, your depth of your own experience was obviously the key highlight. And also for the benefit of the listeners, as I was just chatting with Tarun prior to start of this episode, Tarun is high on conversations with customers. Obviously, he's not going to dilute details, but you can, you can be rest assured that Tarun is going to have amazing points in this episode and we're lo- really looking forward to it. So thanks, Tarun, once again for joining in. Really, really appreciate you taking time out. Now, Tarun, as you said, in the first episode, we really set the context, right? We spoke about your background. We spoke about very briefly, we touched upon what's happening in the Indian FM industry. And as a re- if we were to go by some of the numbers that are available, you know, we are expecting that, I mean, there was an expected increase of like the growth rate of 20%, expected to go to $400 billion by 2026, which includes obviously soft services, hard services, everything. Uh, in between and the top three market share when you look at from sector perspective has been commercial residential and manufacturing and we spoke in the in the first episode how a lot of that is changing and we also briefly touched upon the usual suspects on the state of fm and whenever i look at state of fm in india almost all blogs tarun talk about two key aspects labor and technology and what we would mm. want, like to do in this episode is not talk about them but, i mean yeah. especially not talk about government policies because you, it's hard to influence them and we are going to be focusing more on what can be influenced by fm and customer relationships a lot that you've learned in your own experience from logistics and i truly uh, believe that's the way forward so just to get this conversation started, Tarun, what in your opinion, and, and having seen what you have seen, spoken to the customers over the last couple of years with OCS, what in your opinion are two, three key aspects that define the current state of facilities management in India, largely from the perspective of FM customer? Yeah, so great question. And thanks again, Umesh. The word that comes to mind where I would like to address this is a model that I call MOSS. Mm -hmm. And typically, you know, you find that MOSS is a little bit about renewal as well. When you look at the FM industry, when you have MOSS coming in, it comes Mm -hmm. in and it kind of accumulates in certain humid or other areas. And we find, I mean, I find a little bit of resonance there Mm -hmm. that we are in that situation where we need to uncover this MOSS. And what this MOSS stands for in my mind are the four challenges that I see as far as the FM industry goes in India. One is managing and integrating multiple locations. That's M. Okay. okay. Is O is the operating model. S is specialized workforce and teams. Okay. And the second S is strategic engagement. Okay. These awesome. are the four challenges, and uh, I will just say a sentence on each because just for the you know listeners mm. to understand what are we talking about here. Mm. Now, managing and integrating multiple locations. What are we seeing in the market? We are seeing massive consolidation. We saw that in the auto industry, once the GST regime kicked in, where Mm. compliance and backend became a huge issue. 
Right. And in the auto industry, they they told their OEMs that look, you know, fold in your tier one, tier two suppliers because we want to bill only a few of you. In FM, what we are seeing is guys, you know, I, I don't want to deal with 20 guys or 15 guys across various formats, especially right. if it's a pan regional or a pan Indian engagement. Uh, I want to deal with, a, and there are different models. Uh, some models are that, you know, we will go with a tier one, very large outfit who would then have some maybe one or two or three subcontractors under them that hmm. would be one uh, way to operate hmm. another way to operate is that look i want to do a service consolidation so you are only doing a b and c service that's that's not enough you please pick up d e and f and even if you don't have it you demonstrate to me that you can manage it for me whether you outsource it or you find me the right partners, mm -hmm. I want to go through one agency, right? So there is this challenge and complexity emerging mm -hmm. around managing and integrating multiple locations. Okay, mm -hmm. that is one. Mm -hmm. Second is operating model. Now, operating mm -hmm. model, we all know, regardless of the sector, we have mm -hmm. a lot of rhetoric, a lot of different understanding and uneven understanding, I would say, in the field of what is the value uh, or how do I sort of really drive and engage on my infrastructure on the ground, right? Mm. Traditionally, we have been throwing people at the problem, right? right? I have a problem, I will put 100 housekeepers or I'll put, mm. you know, a couple of hundred mm. technical staff and mm. I will engage on it, right? Mm. Now, how do I measure that effort? What is the performance? How am I doing things on the ground? That is a little lost in, in translation because, yeah. because you typically have a supervisory structure which is core to the buyer in question, whoever is yeah. the economic buyer or the user, yeah. they supervise that effort. And under that effort, you are basically performing certain set of tasks, yeah. right? Yeah. And for those set of tasks, you are being rewarded. And increasingly, that task mechanism, the reward is becoming smaller. So there is a downward pressure, both on revenue and margins, okay. right? People are either trying to grow their way out of that by adding massive scale. Mm. That's one way to do it, that mm. I will just, and then put out on margins and see mm. how much of it gets to the bottom line. Mm. Other people are saying, no, I think you, you know, we need to incentivize because the older structure somehow incentivizes cost and people don't understand that. It doesn't incentivize effort or performance because right. the moment you go towards SLAs, you transfer the risk to the agency. Now, when you transfer, this has a price to it, right? When you say transfer the, the risk to agency, you mean to the FM company, is it? Absolutely. And I'm happy to take on that risk, but right. then there has to be a reward equated with it. I cannot it. take on the risk without saying that, look, I'll you take all my risk. But right. I will pay you on 10 rupees at a flat rate and I will pay you on an attendance based mechanism. That is the second big so challenge. Basically, right? you can't have the best of both worlds. You can't be treading on both lines. Right? You, you can't Correct. say that I, I'm going to have my cake and I'm going to eat it too. Right. Because I'm taking on the risk. There could be a, you know, we could have a, and then you can get into the jargon, Omesh. You can have a gross right. maximum price model or you can have a, KPI model. I mean, you can have different permits, right? That's the operating model. Mm. Then we come to specialized workforce and teams. Now, mm. in specialized workforce and teams, what I'm uh, seeing is mm. increasingly conversations are becoming specific. And, and I think customer is not even realizing it's a push which is clearly coming from the uh, top. So the user groups, the, the procurement people in, in most companies are starting to sort of now ask very different questions and that is maybe coming through the M part which is that you want to consolidate the vendor or you want to consolidate the service 
right? Which is pushing conversations to a far more specific domain. So, so could, could you could use that parent just for the benefit of yeah, listeners? So, yeah. so for example, for example, I'm now, you know, if we are looking at cleaning, we're mm. now saying let's talk about technical cleaning, right? It could be cleaning okay. of a butchery. It could yeah. be an FMCG sort of cleaning, or it yeah. could be for chemicals and uh, certain hazardous chemicals that you want to clean in a warehouse or in a, on a factory floor. It could be data center cleaning, right? Got it. So Got these, it. Are, Got these it. are very specific skill sets. These are not skill sets which are readily available. These are skill sets. There are robust processes behind these. There is a solutioning behind these. Yeah. There are reasons why such skill sets are in demand because they are. Uh, core and central rather to the operations of that subsystem or ecosystem. Okay. Be okay. That right. Okay. So right. there is a there is a certain I think pressure now mm. on specialized workforce and teams. And if I was to say that you know I have some statistics and these are publicly available, mm. I read somewhere I think four percent or five percent of our overall uh, workforce. Mm. is actually highly skilled so if i look at it and this is compared to 24 percent or 50 in china or like 50 percent in the us and about and, 60 odd percent in the uk and when you say highly skilled i mean uh, what does highly interpret so would it mean skilled enough to so match the requirement skilled. of the job or formally skilled okay okay yes. okay Absolutely. these are formally skilled uh, workers mm. in india which is extremely mm. low so which right. means 4% or 5% of the overall blue collar workforce that you might be looking in India working in FM space. Only 4% of them true. would be formal. That's a pretty Absolutely. staggering number. Okay. That's okay. a staggering number, right? Mm -hmm. Now, now, uh, and compounding that challenge is exactly what you said just now, Amesh, that how many of them are also employable, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the, it's, a, it's a pretty uh, steep sort of a pyramid, if you will. Hmm. with very little room at the top and one of the things that i see in very highly specialized sectors is this hmm. war for talent war for talent upcoming war for talent the specialized workforce and systems is not just short term see we are not like malaysia or other countries where uh, due to government policy etc there's a shortage of workers because their tendency is to import workers so right. we, we, we are not importing right right we are not importing work workers to come work in india but our problem is different export our problem is yeah, how many of these get exported maybe to the relevant sectors within India before we actually send them out? And how many of them uh, get absorbed at the right uh, expectations and skill levels makes, right? makes uh, with, within the ecosystem? And and compounding so, that... Which, just a point, so which means how, how do you stop them from going to Dubai? How do you stop them from going to Singapore, right? And, and the other is, obviously, if you were to match their expectations, assuming the fact Correct. that you match the skill level, then obviously your costs go up. Right. Absolutely. And and because and then and the other dimension I will add is that we are going through a massive build phase overall mm. in India. We talked mm. about we touched on this in our, uh, you know, in our talk, that, you know, there is a huge pressure on project activity across the country at this stage. You, you take any sector uh, which mm. is infrastructure related, there is a massive, massive pressure on mm. building, right, mm. or building mm. out activity, which again means demand for this skill set. Right, and then once that, so you are competing for a for a few heads, and and the other point is that how do you man, maintain a pipeline mm. of qualified personnel to mm. to to sort of absorb into the ecosystem? So that is the uh, point on specialized workforce and teams, and right. what I see as a massive challenge. Mm. Last but not the least is strategic engagement, mm. right? 
this i say is that there is there is a lot of education to be had and again we touched on it last week across multiple stakeholders who are right. involved in this space this hmm. include the vendors like people like us who are in the fm space uh, hmm. we obviously need to educate uh, we need to be uh, up to speed with what is happening you know we re- i mean there are articles around hyper automation digitization hmm. ai hmm. you know robotics all of that so that is one part of it the second part is that you have the user groups and the procurement side where they again need to be sensitized to to understand that how these inflect you know how the the the, the industry is moving what are the inflection points of pivot points yeah. and how can they extract the best value for their organizations by understanding risk reward by understanding transfer of risk by understanding what to reward right am i rewarding cost as i said or am i rewarding effort right right and 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 that has to come forth very very clearly and starkly and then you have the user groups and the senior management teams mm. who are today much more exercised because they are building infrastructure out and they are right. spending hundreds of crores or thousands of crores on uh, on that right mm. so they are looking at it not from the point of view of oh this is you know x value or y value onm mm. they are looking that how do i preserve my investment mm. how do i prolong my investment mm. right i mean if i have invested maybe 5 or 10 years ago how do i ensure that my asset value is is extended right, right. and there are ways to right which, which is your refurbishment which is your repair timely repair or uh, yeah. etc yeah. how do i so that's the last s where where we need to engage at a strategic level and i think fm has to become a central to strategic decision making especially when thousands of crores are being spent right so mm. i can see an element right from the design stage design and development stage mm. all the way to regular operations implementation mm. right because whatever i do in the initial stages will impact how i run my operations down the line when you speak about from development to so design and development to the time when it's handed over to fm right i mean mm. what usually your fm contracts are are happening when the construction stage is almost like 90% through they don't happen right at the early stage and say so let's say if a data center is supposed to be built and completed by 2027 for example if you are managing the fm you wouldn't know right at the start that you will manage the fm right i mean you'll only probably the the, the tender is going to be how how do you handle for that just curious I mean how how do you enable so, as an fm to handle for that maybe that's a good that's a great question and i will try attempt to answer that from my experience in in one or two other industries sure so when you normally when you normally put a new plant hmm. right you construct a new plant hmm. one of the things that you run is a site risk assessment and a health risk assessment right hmm. because you're going to have engineers working on that plant right. you're going to have perhaps foreign engineers also involved if it's an mnc you may have international folk coming in right and a lot of these are remote locations so you need to have the safety security physically as mm. well as safety and security from a health point of view perspective right? so and typically what i find is that there are companies and i have dealt uh, for example i have i personally dealt with a couple of german companies mm. who have who have who have been very strong on putting a process in place where they would like a complete site risk assessment and a health risk assessment done mm. before the building even comes up okay right 
Mm-hmm. And then as the building is coming up, you will well imagine if I'm constructing on a 14 or a 15 acre site, mm-hmm. my site will evolve, right? The Correct. site dynamics will evolve, which means that my line of sight will change depending on the structures coming up. Correct. If I have a if I have a clinic on that site and I'm, I'm I will complete the loop for you but it's important I set the context I may have yes, a, a container clinic or something located at a point in that site so right. I will have to remap and re- ensure that my people have right. an easy access or have right. a have a have a, a clear understanding of how the sites are developing in case there's an accident that happens on a site level right yeah. Yeah. now here is a situation where this is a healthcare provider emergency healthcare response provider right right, right. engaging in a manufacturing which is actually that is not their core but they are a support to that effort yeah. right yeah. similarly i see that when we are looking at large infrastructure projects right and we spend so much time and energy on design development how am i going to get the architecture right location all of that but right. how much attention is actually paid umesh to having somebody come in through and look at that whole piece through an operational lens do i have the right access points what kind of monies will i need to spend on cleaning of that infrastructure or maintenance of that infrastructure suppose mm. heights are a question suppose mm. there are certain areas which are not easily reachable for example right. Right. or accessible both from a maintenance or a soft services point of view mm. now that piece i don't see and that is why i'm saying that you know it has to come in more and more because it will help companies to if nothing else to at least start planning for what would be the operational response right. four to five whatever three years down the line when mm. they move into uh, that phase mm. uh, of them that link link is not strong and in fact i would so go so far as to say that uh, essentially missing it's essentially got missing it. got it and that's interesting thanks for that detailed uh, answer it does help build that perspective and i quite clearly like the moss the, the four points that you 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 pointed out in one of the aspects that i wanted to sort of bring further the discussion on you spoke about tier 2 tier 1 fm companies and and you also spoke about one of the ways of getting out of this situation is to look at economies of scale and perhaps the other way could be to go equally opposite way and say okay you would look at creating the niche which we spoke about briefly what would what, what do you think is happening i mean if you if, if we look at the trend and take tier 2 fm companies and and tier 1 fm companies some of the tier 2 fm companies could very well be providing services to tier 1 fm companies as we spoke right mm-hmm. so i mean are we are we looking at a situation where tier 2 fm companies are now becoming aspirational and saying that okay we have an opportunity to actually get the seat on the table and become tier 1 or you what's your general opinion are they saying that okay let's just consolidate on what we have let the tier 1s build on economies of just just curious to know what you're seeing or what your individual perspective is on this yeah so i see there are three levels where the market is operating currently hmm. right there is the level of what is a conglomerate where they where people are doing anything and everything from asset leasing financing to all the way down to onm activity right, right. Uh, right. buying up land parcels etc so it's right. a what i would call a conglomeration of fm right so they are in various points and they are also doing consultancy advisory right. uh, etc right so that's the sort of let's say the top all encompassing tier Hmm. right hmm. then there is a second tier 
where the market is operating in there are maybe regional players right or they are local city maybe you know they are they are particular in a state may not be a city but in a state i would say yes. and these these players are they are sort of divided between either highly specialized people so they may be doing test or audits or some sort of technical support to a sort of mini sort of conglomeration if you will so the other way to look at it is what you know you define an mnc which is probably in everywhere and then you have a transnational company which is kind of has a smaller geographic footprint but essentially is doing the hmm. same things hmm. right hmm. so that's how i would differentiate between the tier 1 and the tier 2 sort of uh, markets that we see and then there is a third tier where it is mainly local players hmm. right these hmm. are picking up they are basically operating mainly on price they don't have a massive service depth or a quality depth Mm. but they are basically operating mainly on price and and the fact that they are able to cotton on the trails of a larger player and that could be from a tier 2 set of the market or mm. it could be a tier 1 set of the market right mm. and it's very interesting very interesting that we used to see the same in logistics right mm. so in logistics the big daddies are the dhls and the fedexes or or the ups right. right and then they would have a number of guys because what they would do is that they would have you know people in uh, operating maybe in a few cities who would who would aggregate the packages for them and then use their infrastructure for delivery right right uh, because they, they didn't have the line haul or they didn't have the uh, gateways if if they are moving anything internationally etc so they would cotton on the tails of the larger player and similarly you would have some slightly mid sized players who would have a little more heft because they have a wider reach but they again would be you the top tier to to run their package right and 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 sort of service their customers yeah. so there are some parallels that i see but what is adding to this sort of complexity is that so far the response to market has been as i said this conglomeration that let's do a little bit of everything yeah. right that has been the legacy yeah. right we yeah. won't say no we'll do a little bit of everything yeah. so the result is that you essentially are providing a service around aggregation and not necessarily a quality response because you are now dependent on a variety of vendors who have variegated quality and even though you have perhaps you may claim to say that i have these amazing sops and i have a phenomenal governance structure but the long and short of it all is that given that you are dependent on so many uh, vendors for so many little service niches that it is very difficult to weave a consistent response a quality response as far as the customer goes okay right? so 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 does that mean just curious on that tarun apologies to cutting you over there but just just curious yeah. to me does that mean that you cannot have that collaborative level approach anymore across all the sectors and does that kind of lead to super specialization and say okay if it's healthcare then that this company is great at everything that relates to healthcare but they may not, not be good at everything that relates to let's say a normal commercial building or may not be competitive is is that what you're saying or you're saying that you know you would see a larger influx of fm companies who are great at a lot of things and one large customer may have to sort of work with multiple fms no amesh uh, umesh i absolutely agree with you i see yeah. a coalition 
around two uh, two sort of pivot points hmm. either we will see segment or sector based initiatives hmm. or we will see service based initiatives so i think i think this idea that we can be everything to everyone is fast changing hmm. and there are clearly the ground rules for servicing let's say pharma or servicing aviation or servicing hmm. a residential community Mm. i think the ground rules are very different right, right. and right. the kind of service response that is expected what is expected even by the customers mm. is different even the customer dna is different you see in a residence i don't have one customer i have actually got if it's if it's 1000 people living in a building uh, or a community then i have 1000 customers and right. i have to cater to all their needs as an right. fm provider Right. right right regardless of whether i'm operating through a developer or through a resident welfare association Correct. if i am in pharma i have very specific responses especially if even within pharma if i have an export oriented unit whose market is largely the united states or europe then yeah. the whole compliance game the kind of expectation on quality which is right. become central to their uh, product whatever they are producing is is very to to another company which may be doing generics for example so i absolutely agree with you that i think the industry i think we are at the first stage of that change i think more and more as i said as part of the moss one of the things i talked about is specialized workforce and teams mm. and i actually uh, strongly believe that people who will succeed in the new or the new sort of playing area mm. will be people who can identify the area that they want to play in and then build end to end expertise in that area interesting and just just continuing on that and in fact it sets us up amazingly for following episodes because it gives us a clue i mean I, i'm i'm really you know in awe with the boss framework because it kind of covers all four important aspects of how the fm customer relationship really dovetails and and again links back to the fact that if the fm companies were to use this crisis or opportunity depends on the way they are going to be looking at it they really in one way or the other have to look at specialization as i said either it could be towards a service specialization and say i am you know fm companies the best in 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 operations and maintenance or this is the best in cleaning or you become best in a particular sector or a few sectors versus saying open on all sectors so in the next episode we are going to be talking about how do you get there how do you create the niche if you aren't if you if you haven't already created and and in the next couple of episodes basically so i think we are we are now on that path with that this episode with the series tarun where we have to speak now about how does fm company get there and then the last which is the most critical which we were just talking before this episode is how do you get the customers to evaluate that because if you have moved Absolutely. into super specialization your ground rules of evaluations are also going to change your sla's would be far more technical and 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 it's going to be important to bring all those stakeholders together procurement user group finance all of that together so i think we wouldn't we wouldn't really go into too much of detail now on that it's really interesting and sets us up for the next episode anything else that you want to cover before we close this episode anything that you you think you've left out or or let's say yeah a, i mean i i just want to say that you hmm. know i think there is a general consensus and i will probably end with that because you know hmm. we did a straw poll and i know a lot of people get irritated with these linkedin polls and they just put <laughs> a norm right do that on linkedin really Yes, we did. And in uh, in our defense, we were probably one of the early birds to do it before. Right. So, 
So, you know, we, a poll carried out by us, and this was uh, sort of early on in this mm. year, LinkedIn. We, you know, kind of under, tried to understand that how, what do people think of, you know, uh, what is an outcome-based or an SLA-based contract? And 92% of respondents mm. felt that these are better and they have clear performance uh, criteria and help save money. Now, I think that that's what I'm saying, that the realization in, instinctively is possibly there, Omesh. Mm. But as you said, how do we get there? You know, the mm. pathways to get there are still fuzzy. Mm. And and I think that is where the challenge is that how do we sort of define those pathways clearly, simply, so that, you know, all stakeholders understand what is the value they are buying mm. and selling for mm. that matter, mm. right? That's the only point I would close with. So there's, there's no need for any other comment from my side on this because you've really summed it up well. And it, as I said, it really leads us amazingly well in the next episode. So thanks a ton, Tarun. In the next episode, for the benefit of all the listeners, we are now going to get to the framework stage, which is what we want to cover in all our episodes. Having uh, sort of built the, the context around what's happening in India, what are some of the bottlenecks, challenges, we are now going to focus on what is the opportunity that FM companies can look at and clearly uh, specialization is the way forward but we are going to dive deeper into it and then in the follow-up episode we are going to also talk about how can customers really customers in FM both really evaluate that specialization and, and hence value it end to end so thanks a ton everyone for joining in thanks a ton Tarun I'm going to see you all next week until then stay safe and take care Sumesh thank you so much